everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And uh, we just want to let you know that this is our episode about Kristen Smart. This is a trigger warning. There will be talk of sexual assault and we will be using the words to describe it sometimes. So if that is triggering to you, please listen at your own discretion. Take care of you first. And if you're concerned, you can look into the case and see what it entails. You can give it a bing. Yeah. Take care of yourself, everyone. Thank you. Hi, everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. This episode we are doing is called Justice for Kristen Smart. We skipped it last time because it was so sad. It's obviously so sad. All Datelines are so sad. But when it's a young woman, it's even sadder somehow. A young person, I should say. But we decided to do it because we know there's a lot of interest and some of you really want to talk about this case and it's our beloved Mank. So we're doing it. This is season 31, episode 24, March 31st, 2023, hosted by champion for women, Mr. Mank. His hair looks so good in this episode. It's gone more gray since when we last saw him and he has a fresh haircut. So is mine. I'm fine with it. He looks great. He's distinguished. He's a distinguished gentleman. It looks amazing. Yeah. I tweeted, I said, this episode is so sad, but on the bright side, makes hair looks great. And he said, well, at least there's that. No, he's the perfect person for this case. Yeah, he's amazing. Mm -hmm. So he starts off by saying, those of us above a certain age... I was on the defensive right away because I thought he was going to pull a Keith Morrison. But then I felt like he didn't because he says, he says, for those of us above a certain age, 1996 doesn't seem that long ago. And I feel like 1996 feels like forever ago. I agree. So that means we're not that age. I am age beautiful and I won't hear another word about it. (laughs) It was a different time. Simpler, no Instagram. TikTok or texting. Friendships were cultivated in person. Cal Poly University. University? Cal Poly. What is it? What's the shortening? CP? What do they call it? It's California Polytechnic University, but it's called Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo. Yeah. Which is also called San Luis or San Luis or slow, which is the initials of San Luis Obispo. Most of the people that go to Cal Poly would call it slow. Gotcha. Yeah, they're cool. They're surfers. Yeah, Sorry, I know. Go ahead. Kristen Smart was a freshman. She was from Stockton, California. She made a bunch of friends at school, including some that we are meeting, Vanessa and Margarita, who both seemed lovely. It yeah. was Memorial Day weekend. Students were heading home for the weekend, but not Kristen and Margarita. They went to an off-campus party, but it was way too low energy for Kristen. So they left the party, and Kristen wanted to find another party. And Margarita was me. No, thank you. My television is waiting. I will pass. Now, we are not going to be doing any blaming in this episode. But we have learned from this episode in this case, to always institute the buddy system with girls, especially on college campuses. Let's do the buddy system. Extra caution. Extra caution. Now, if you are a buddy to a buddy who is intoxicated, like I have been many a time, it can be very frustrating. 
it is like wrangling cats into a bathtub. Mm-hmm. It is not fun, nor it is easy, but it's worth it. But when Margarita wasn't going to this party, she was, Kristen was not drunk. Correct. I was not talking about Kristen. I was talking about our friends. Oh, our friends, for sure. Our, usually, they were drunk. Yes. Yeah, they were drunk. I don't even know what time yeah. it was that we're talking about, but they were drunk. Yeah. Sure. So the next day, Kristen's friends realized that she never came back to the dorm. And her ID and her backpack and makeup were still there. So, of course, campus police were like, she probably went camping or something. Without all of her belongings. Sure. And she's over 18, so we have to wait 48 hours. And the friends keep saying no. 24 hours. No, they said 48. Sorry, she... I'm trying to get the timeline right on this. She was at the party on a Friday night? Yeah. And then it's Memorial Day weekend. But they're noticing on Saturday. Some of them are, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Campus police say they can't do anything. And they keep telling the campus police and the campus police are not listening to her friends finally Mm. they notify her parents not that Kristen's missing but we don't know where she is we think she went camping to Kristen's parents Kristen's parents are as shocked as if police called my parents and said Kimberly is jogging it doesn't make sense that she would just go off somewhere so Kristen, they did know had been struggling a little at Cal Poly, and her mom, Denise, had written her a letter telling her to basically suck it up, Buttercup, which I love, and yeah, start acting like a grown-up. These were like normal struggles, I think, that most freshmen experience. Did I make the right decision? I don't know if I fit in here. What am I doing with the rest of my life? Comment. College can be weird. College if you are lucky weird. enough to go to college, it just depends. It's not everything that you see in the movies. Yeah. Kristen was a world traveler, an adventurer, very fun. She had so much energy, it seems like. She decided to reinvent herself a little at college and came up with the nickname Roxy, which was very, she felt was very sassy, I think. Do you know anybody else that changed their name when they got to college? Yes, I do. Who? Who just Um, started going by a different name or a slightly different version of their own name? Are you talking about me? Anyone in the room? I decided to go by my birth name. Instead of the bastardized shortened version that people have been calling me against my will for many years. But that's not who I'm talking about. I am talking about this girl in our theater school who I had gone to high school with. And I didn't know she was in the theater school. And when I saw her, I called her by her first name. And somebody was like, oh, that's so-and-so. And they called her by her last name which was this cool, fun, hipster thing name. And I was like, oh, she always went by first name. And they, she was like, I go by my last name now. But everyone, she had tried to act like she always went by just her last name to be cool. And I called her out on it unintentionally. But then did she say, hey, shortened version of Kimberly, when you said, hi, blank? It's not really the same thing. Hi, blank. So were you both calling each other by former names? Yeah. Like I've gone by several different names just on accident. And then if someone calls me by a different one of my names, I'm like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. It's fine, whatever someone calls me. But like, for example, I went by K-Raj for a minute. And like, (laughs) that was the name that all the people I worked with knew me as because there were three other Katie's at that job. And they all had the same last initial as me. 
I mean, it couldn't, it wasn't working. So it was like, okay, I'm going to go by K-Raj. I just shortened it to a name. But a girl called me in LA from across the room and was like, K-Raj! And I was like, oh my gosh, that's someone from this town that I used to live in because that's how they knew me and someone I worked with at this place. That's pretty funny. But I wasn't mad. Anyways, whatever you want your name to be, no judgment. She just wanted a new persona. Like when people wear wigs and they feel like a different person. And it's a cute name. Roxy's cute. You're constantly reinventing yourself as a young person. I did it in high school. I did it. We both have done it. Many. You've changed your hair a million times. Same thing. I wish K-Raj had been cooler, but K-Raj wasn't that cool. It's not. I hate to break it to you. I think if you had just gone by your last name, it would have been way cooler. That didn't occur to anyone in the room. I don't know how (laughs) that name got stuck. No. So we meet a girl, Kendra, who was at the party the night Kristen disappeared. This is the Mm -hmm. party Kristen had gone and found after she and Margarita separated. And Kendra was walking around asking everyone if they had a piece of gum. Mank is talking about Kendra walking around asking for gum. And he says, remember, she was 18. Now, I didn't know what that was. I'm sorry, and I think I misinterpreted this whole story because I thought the whole gum story was about her kind of trying to meet people and it's an icebreaker. It seemed like a really good icebreaker. Just be like, hey, do you have a piece of gum? What's your name? That's why they have that gum called icebreakers. There you go. But no, I think she really wanted gum. Is she saying gum and she means something else? And she doesn't want to say it on TV? Is that why Mank is like, remember, she's 18 because it was actually something else? Yes. Okay, cracked it. So she finds this guy who offers her gum and then he grabs her and kisses her and she pushes him away. But she was so flustered and someone yelled, get a room, which they should have been yelling sexual assault. That is now considered sexual assault. But back then it wasn't because it was a different time. It should have always been considered sexual assault. So she follows this guy to his car for gum. Kendra. Because it was a different time. And she was young. And gum is not gum. Yeah. Gum is something that's now legal in California. And (laughs) definitely at Cal Poly, it would have been around at that time. Yeah. So she follows him outside and he kisses her again. And she pushes Mm. him away and says, no, no. And she walks back inside the party. Thank God Kendra is still alive because this could have played out very differently once we find out who this gentleman was. So this guy, Trevor, says Kristen walked up to him and said, hi, I'm Roxy. And she took his hand and led him to the bathroom. And Josh gives this surprised look that said, I don't know, girls didn't do that at my school. I don't know what he was thinking. Crazy young kids, something like that. So they talked in the bathroom, and then she said, I have to go to the bathroom now, and she kicked him out. So Trevor walks out of the bathroom, again, because he's a gentleman, and he comes face-to-face with the gum guy, and the gum guy says, what I'd like to know is what you did with her in the bathroom. And Trevor is like, oh, my God, is this her boyfriend? What? No, nothing. I swear, nothing. And then the guy, like, laughed. And it was so weird. This guy, mm. this gum guy is the a walking red flag. He has already been so weird with so many people at this party in such a mm. short amount of time. It's like he's trying to win a contest who can be the biggest dirtbag at a party. And it gets worse. So Kendra later in the night sees Kristen fall to the floor, very out of it. 
she sees gum guy who had kissed her pick go, like leaning over her super creepy so kendra does the right thing grabs Kristen and walks her outside and they sit on the porch and she's trying to sit with her as Kristen is very out of it and kendra said stay away from that guy like bad vibes with this guy how, mu- yeah. how much longer is this that that happened is it like an hour a cu- an hour or two yeah oh, okay then another time has passed and now we're like we early morning hours and yeah. Kendra goes outside and Kristen is laying outside on the ground. And Kendra Mm. said, are you okay? Kristen said, yeah, I have a ride. So Kristen said, are you sure? And Or sorry, Kendra said, are you sure? And Kristen said, yes. And Kendra left. And Kendra wishes, obviously, that she had done something differently. But hindsight is dateline. It's okay. (laughs) Did you get what I did? Yeah, but that's cruel. Poor Kendra. No, Kendra, it's okay. Did you, did you get my joke? Oh, because of 2020. Ah, there you go. There you go. Sorry. So when Kendra saw on the news that Kristen was missing, she recognized her right away. And she had not stopped thinking about Roxy and that guy. That's how much of an impression that it left on her, an uneasy feeling. She called mm-hmm. campus police and told them everything. And they said, okay, we'll be in touch. When were they in touch? Never. But they had spoken to other party goers, and it turned out that Kristen had not had a ride like she said she had. She walked home with some party goers, including the red flag gum guy, Paul Flores, who was studying food science. Didn't know that. Forgot that that was a thing that you could study. I'm interested. What What is it? It's not nutrition. No, it's not nutrition. It's making new foods. Superfoods, kombucha. I think it's studying the components of food and maybe building frankenfood. But I think it's about studying foods that already, or is it about the science of growing foods, like agricultural? What I'm going to look it up because I'm going to get letters. Oh. Oh, what? Food science is the basic science applied science and applied science of food. I don't like when the definition includes the actual words. That is not You've a definition. That, that is not that. helpful. It's Well, scopes- maybe you should spend your quality time going into the dictionary definitions and fixing it. I have so many causes, Katie. I don't know where to start. I got to get the people doing their Christmas cards with the right punctuation. I got to figure out how to control the definitions that come up on Google. There's so much. I'm only one person. I'm only Kim. What am I supposed to do? So food science starts at overlap with agricultural science and nutritional science and leads through the scientific aspects of food safety and food processing, informing the development of food technology. Here's the deal. I feel like food science is not a major you come in with. I feel like that's a major you go into after you start in just applied science. Or you, yeah, you start in something basic. And mm-hmm. then you're like, you know what? I want to go into this branch of this. Mm-hmm. It's like starting out in theater and then being like, you know what? I'm really into costume design. And just like mm-hmm. sort of defining it as you go in. It's surprising that he has such a specific major as a freshman at 18 years old. That's yeah. wild. 
or 19, maybe they, however old. Maybe they have a well-known program, and that's part of why he went there. They do have agriculture Agriculture. Programs. It's an Aggie-type mm-hmm. school. The Polytechnic yeah. is like an – oh, it is – yeah, it's Polytechnic Science. So I say let's not – put in the effort of learning about food science. Let's just eat the food science or just the food. And don't leave your house because dangers are everywhere. HelloFresh takes the hassle out of mealtime this spring by delivering pre-portioned ingredients and easy-to-make recipes right to your door. And April is two very important things, Earth Month and Joni's birthday. And HelloFresh is celebrating one of those things. It's the wrong one. They're celebrating Earth Month. I'm sorry, it's the right one. On average, HelloFresh meals have 31% lower carbon footprint than the same meals bought from store market ingredients. Also, food waste is so bad for the planet, it directly contributes to climate change. Science! Food science. Science. HelloFresh sends you just what you need in these recipes. Nothing more, nothing less. It cuts down on your food waste by at least 23% compared to grocery shopping. And while we're talking about going green, let's talk about the green, meaning money. Was that clear? You can't see me, but I'm making the money gesture with my hands. She's she's doing the fingers, the fingertips. HelloFresh is cheaper than grocery shopping and takeout. I love their veggie selections. I love their veggie selections like the plant-based protein Messy Janes, which are like sloppy Joes, but better because Janes are better than Joes. Girl power. Hey. With potato wedges and vegan chipotle mayo. I am obsessed. I would like to drink the chipotle mayo. HelloFresh always gets me to try something outside of my comfort box in terms of flavors and cuisines that I might not normally try at a restaurant and I definitely wouldn't just go grocery shopping for myself for these ingredients and I always love them so now my comfort box has gotten bigger they also have quick breakfasts lunches desserts basically you can hello fresh size your whole life and if I was a college girl living in an apartment off campus I would get hello fresh for the apartment every night a different girl cooks is that not That's a really idea? smart idea it's a really smart idea. If you have a child in college, treat them to a HelloFresh subscription. I think that is such a good gift. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Dateline50 and use code Dateline50 for 50% off. Plus, your first box ships free. That is HelloFresh.com slash Dateline50 and use code Dateline50 for 50% off. Plus, your first box ships free. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit for a reason, y'all. Think outside the box and get your own HelloFresh box. So there's a box. You're thinking outside the box, but you're getting a box and you need what's in the box to think outside the box. Think inside the box, but only if it's the HelloFresh box. Nailed it. Nailed it. You got it. Did it. Thank you, HelloFresh. Thank you, HelloFresh. I... Loved how relatable Kristen was in this episode because she's wearing a shorts and t-shirt and tennis shoes. And when I think of going to college parties, I was trying to be somebody else and I was trying to force myself into heels and my feet hurt immediately and I ended up walking Mm. around barefoot giving myself Mm. tetanus. Ooh. And I still haven't figured out how to look cute. I need some comfortable shoes that are not heels. Then that's going to be a one-way ticket to Rothy's. The name of the game for comfortable, stylish footwear this spring is 
vibrant shades, and cute prints. And at Rothy's, the color possibilities are endless, and seriously, what is cuter than a gingham print on a flat? And looking good is really only half the fun. This kind of effortless chic that Rothy's have doesn't sacrifice on comfort, because Rothy's are some of the most comfortable flats I have ever owned. My mom is a substitute teacher, and all you teachers out there know, or really anybody who's on their feet all day, you know what it's like when your shoes just aren't quite right. Rothy's have been her go-to shoe for a minute, and on her off days, she's now really into the slip-on sneaker. Rothy's original slip-on sneaker won Best Slip-on Sneaker from Self Magazine's 2022 Sneaker Awards, so you know there's something to it. And who said that all flat shoes need to look the same? We know ballet shoes come in black and pink, but a Rothy's flat is the way to do the ballet core trend with a pop of color. Rothy's is releasing new bright shoes and bags all throughout the season to freshen up your wardrobe with these really cute, cheerful shades. Colors like daffodil, they have sour apple, they even have a light metallic gold that I have my eye on. And one of the big reasons both me and my mom are obsessed with our Rothy's is that they last forever and they look good. This means they're washable. Yes, washable. Slip out the insoles, pop the shoes and the insoles into the washing machine, cold water, mild detergent, and then let the shoes air dry and they look great. And I know I'm talking a lot about spring and spring wear, but honestly, Rothy's are so comfortable and stylish and functional that they're really a year-round staple for me. I can wear my drivers in the summer or I can wear them in the fall because when a shoe feels like Rothy's, you just slide them on anytime and go. Also, while you are perusing the website, do not forget to check out their bags and accessories. The lightweight tote, to quote Kimberly, I am totes in love. A must have in a pop of color, like they have this blueberry gingham that I love, or the clementine, which is that perfect orange. There are just dozens of options for color-rich wardrobe staples that you can feel good about wearing. Rothy's are amazing quality, 45,000 five-star reviews, and counting cannot be wrong. Also, everything at Rothy's is sustainably made with their signature thread spun from single-use plastic bottles. So what are you waiting for? If you haven't tried them, get on it. Stylish and comfortable shoes. Shop Rothy's and get 20% off your first purchase today at rothys.com slash date. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash date. Thank you, Rothy's, for making my feet look good and feel good. So campus police bring Paul in. He says, yeah, that girl Roxy approached me at the party, but did you find her attractive? Nah, she was taller than me. This is so sexual predator to... No, he says she was drunk. And she was yeah, taller. Yeah, she was than drunk me. and she was taller than me. Also, why don't we talk about how tall she was? They She's never so mentioned it. It's it, she, I she was think on the volleyball team. Six one or something? Yeah, she's tall and she was Stunning. like a sports player. I think they yeah. have a fairly good team. So Yeah. Hmm. Stunning. You might as well have just said I was intimidated by her because that's yeah. what you're trying to say. No, also you, what you're trying to say is I'm a sexual predator who defends myself against allegations by pretending that I didn't assault people because they were not attractive and not my type. I don't think this beautiful woman is beautiful. Next. 
Next. Stupid. Also, that's not what sexual assault is about. It's not about if you're attracted to the person. Paul says he and a female student walked Kristen to her dorm. Do we know if there really was another female student? No. I, no. I bet on in your your own backyard podcast, which we will be talking about later. I wonder if they I'm sure he talked about it. I can't remember. I listened to that podcast a long time ago. I don't believe there's another student. I it think Paul that's was made up and he's up. like, I don't know who it was. I don't yeah. know their name. Yeah. There's someone in this dorm. Yeah. Yeah. So he says Kristen was walking fine, even though Kendra had said she couldn't walk at all. And he said she was cold and I gave her a hug. Like, oh, you're such a gentleman, Paul. Also, stop putting your physical advances on girls without them asking for it. Yeah. I think he, he totally is one of the, oh, she's shivering. She wants me to lunge at her. No. No, she probably wants you to lend her your flannel. Exactly. So the other woman split off from them, the other woman who might not exist. And he and Kristen separated. He saw her go to her dorm. And then he went home and threw up and showered. <laughs> Prince Charming. At least he practices hygiene and throws up after, or th at least he practices hygiene and showers after he throws up. That's literally the nicest thing I can say about him. He showers after vomiting. Except that's not true. Except those, none of this two, is those true. Those two items didn't happen. So yeah. he might have thrown up. I don't think he was drunk. I think he was tipsy at best. That's valid. So Paul has a black eye and he says it's from a basketball game. So he's also bad at sports. Everyone spread the word that Paul is bad at sports. Just going to malign him all over the place. He's all he's elbows. An incel. He's an incel and, I, and he sucks at sports and he's intimidated by tall women. It's terrible. So Kristen's dad is walking around campus asking questions. Good for him. These parents are definitely the heroes of the episode. They're incredible. A plus. Yeah. There's Stan is the dad. Denise is the mom. And yeah. we do meet the brother briefly, and I think his name Very is Very briefly, but yeah. yeah. Campus police finally get help from the local police a month after Kristen goes missing. Why? Yeah, but yeah. Why? Why is because it a month? Because they don't even want to admit that she's missing. They still think she just went off camping somewhere with no money or food or supplies and did not tell anyone she knows. This feels like one of those things where we know we've kind of let this go too long and then you keep letting it go. They're also just covering their butts and they're worried yes. more about how the school is going to look than this poor girl who was in their care. They're really hoping she shows up. They really mm -hmm. need her to show up. Yeah, they sure. do. So the local police bring in Paul again and he is very fidgety. And he says, I don't know, maybe she saw somebody she knew and went off to Taco Bell. And that's what happened. Paul's friend had told police Paul had that black eye before he played basketball. Now, could the campus police had interviewed the friends that played basketball after he had told them that's where he got the black eye? Yes, but they didn't. So the real police are doing it. And they have found out that he's lying. So they ask him about that. And he says... So this is his police interview now. Now we're getting yeah. interview, the second interview. Okay. So Paul says he was uninstalling his radio in his car because he's selling the car. He's taking the radio with him. Okay. He hit the steering wheel with his face, which sounds hilarious and not real at all. In his only good judgment, 
he realizes that it sounds fake. And in his bad judgment, he lied to the police because he thought it sounded fake and they wouldn't believe him. Of course, this oh. is not how he got the black eye anyways. So the whole thing is a lie. But he says, I just told you a little white lie because I didn't think you'd believe me. Okay. So, and he's also putting his arms inside his t-shirt. And the detective says, you're going to rip your t-shirt there. And he says, I have an itch. He's doing like... I wish you could see me. It's like if you're a girl and you're trying to change your bra under your t-shirt. It's all his hands are all up in there. At first, I thought he was rubbing his muscles, but I think I know what he's doing. I think he's scratching spots on his upper arm. Possibly. I think he has pimply upper arms. And I think he's like inadvertently like it's a nervous thing and he's picking at him under his shirt. Yeah, he's like that could scratching be. off scabs and stuff. A common uh, anxiety response. Absolutely. But also... Totally giving yourself away that you're having an anxiety response because yeah. you're just lying all over the map. Yes. Paul. So they can tell he's obviously lying. He's could he's textbook acting guilty. So protecting himself is what they think, right? Yeah. He's like putting his arms around himself. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cal Poly Cocooning. Yes. Cal Poly tells the campus newspaper, the Mustang, that there is no evidence Kristen was the victim of a crime. Are you kidding me? You're still going with the camping thing when you've actually gotten the police involved to help you investigate because you think that it's definitely there is violence involved and she's still missing. Cal Poly Campus Police stands for Crappy patrol condoning pervs. Thank you. Yeah. CPCP. Campus yeah. police had looked around Paul's room, but of course they didn't take any photos or test anything. And by the time the police are involved, the students have all moved out for the summer and the rooms have been sanitized. But the campus police are not trained in this. So, like, I blame them fully, but I also think they're just not trained in this and they need to be trained. The second someone goes missing, it goes to the real police. It goes to the real CSI to test things or and they need better training on how to tell the parents right away how to do. They just need a whole overhaul, the whole thing. I don't think they need training as much as they need a procedure that if this is something that's that the procedure is in place that you they should have never spoken to Paul. Paul should have been always an interview with the police department, with the sheriff's mm-hmm. department, mm-hmm. the end. Campus police mm-hmm. should be dealing with things that are strictly like this. And also, because this was an off-campus party, you shouldn't be dealing with this. This party was specifically mentioned as being off-campus multiple times, which means this is the police's jurisdiction. That's when she was last seen, is at that party. Yeah. Although she was I think. maybe, well, yeah, that's true. You should still be in coordination because of that. Yeah, the police should be involved right away. That's ridiculous. So the police are now fully doing an investigation. They are looking at the things the campus police had done at the beginning, which everything the campus police had done, which we just kind of told them they weren't doing a great job, but they needed better training or a procedure in place. But now we can say they did things terribly wrong when they did get involved, which was they were asking her friends, How much was Kristen drinking? Did she drink a lot? What was she wearing? Was she sleeping around? Like super S shaming as if we weren't mad enough already. 
And in the first audio interview with Paul Flores, campus police call Kristen massively promiscuous three times. Wow. Mank is horrified, by the way. Yeah. Maybe they were doing it as a police tactic to talk to Paul that way, which you could totally, that, sure. But then why did they also use that language when they were talking to Kristen's friends? It's so unacceptable. So how long have you known the hussy? I'm sorry. I mean, the girl that showed too much skin. Can you imagine if this is your friend that's gone missing and these are the questions you're getting? It's and I'd be furious. It's infuriating. And then they tell her dad she was doing things that put her at risk. She drank at a party and she was scantily dressed. So she deserved it, essentially. Wow. And then so does every other college student, male and female, on campus. Also, she was wearing t-shirt and shorts and tennis shoes. They're acting like she was wearing a string bikini on the streets, which even if she was, good for her. Whatever. It's not it doesn't matter. I'm going to say this is also a tall a tall person problem. So because oh, she has more limb, more she skin has, to so show. So a short that would be normal on one person is going to be she's wearing short shorts. No, she just has more leg than a normal human. She's above average height. Memorial Day in California. It is warm. First of all, it doesn't matter. Of course, none of it matters. So it's just like the whole thing is messed up from point A to point B to point C. This is wrong. All of this is wrong. It's so wrong. It's really disgusting. It is. And I know it was a different time when victim shaming was all the rage. It was never okay. And it's still happening today. Victim shaming still happens in courtrooms all the time. So Mank says it seems like they would have treated her differently if she was at the library and never dated and was wearing a hazmat suit. And I was like, yes, Mank. And I stood up and I clapped for him in my living room. Good for him. So then police learn that the party was not the first time that Kristen had met Paul. Her friend Vanessa had seen him staring at Kristen weeks earlier. And then at a different day, he had come up and introduced himself to her. And he said, she said he seemed like awkward, but strangely confident. And he was definitely like staring at her. So he had been on to Kristen for a while, like watching her. Mm. Police go into the dorms. Now, bear in mind, it's now been over a month. They have four cadaver scent detecting dogs. And out of the over 100 plus rooms in the dorms, all four dogs detect human composition, decomposition in Paul's room. But somehow that's not enough. And I feel like that should be enough. I don't get it. I guess you can say that's not scientific. Dogs have made mistakes. All four dogs made mistakes in one room out of 100 plus rooms. Then we see a search party with hundreds of volunteers. They search the campus and the surrounding areas. Kristen's parents ask local officials for help. Someone comes up to mom, Denise, and says, this perpetrator took your daughter's life. Don't let him take your life, your husband's life, your children's life. Be present in your family now. And she got really pissed off, maybe cursed them out. We're not sure. Because she's like, how dare you? My daughter is still alive. We still have hope. We're still looking. But later on, that advice became helpful. Yeah. Paul, meanwhile, has dropped out of school and moved back home. Every time we see him on camera, he's smirking. It's really creepy. Yeah. 
he is just ick factor 1000. Yeah. Kristen's mom, Denise, decides since he's living at home with his parents, I'm going to reach out to his mom, mom to mom. I'm going to reach out to Paul's mom, Susan Flores. Yeah. She sends her a letter with photos of Kristen and saying, this is who we're missing. This is our daughter. We need help trying to find her. Can you help us? Susan sends back the photos and says, we have our own pictures. What does that mean? What does that mean? You have your own pictures of who? Do you have your pictures of Kristen? Why? Or do you have your own pictures of Paul? And it's It's like, we have our own family pictures. Thanks. Yes. Yes, that's what it meant. And it's it doesn't need to be like that. Even if you take offense to it, it just, this could be fixed with a conversation. Stop it. Yeah, no, you're being a jerk. This is nonsense. This is weird. Passive aggressive, weird. Yeah. So Kristen's dad, Stan, drives to the Flores house to speak to Paul's dad, Ruben, and he won't talk to Stan, and he says something like, you need to leave or someone's going to get shot. Ruben denies saying this. I fully believe he said it. I just, there's something about this family that makes me think, yes, he totally said that. On the year anniversary of Kristen's disappearance, the sheriff says, we have no other suspects than Paul. But we need Paul to tell us what happened because we don't have anything. So essentially, Paul, if you want to get away with murder, just keep your mouth shut. And if you want to get caught, you could tell us something. The power is all in your hands, essentially, Paul. It's up to you, buddy. Mm -hmm. The parents, Kristen's parents are furious. (laughs) Like, why would you say that? Why would you tell him you had nothing and he needs to come forward or else he will not get arrested? So I the think they're parents, hoping that other people will come for. I think this was an ill thought out idea to try to get I think to break something loose. I agree. It just doesn't work. It's it not. Just it just didn't work. But right, I could right. be like, we need the public's help to come forward because you know Paul's not going to come forward. So you need right. someone to come forward on him. Correct. But the way they're saying it is like, it's almost like vigilante, like they're in, they want people to attack him in the streets or something. Maybe they also want that. I think they might want that. Let's be real. They would be fine with that too. I don't know. It's a real chill town though. It's hard to figure out what they're doing exactly. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Well, it's because of all that gum everyone's chewing. So uh-huh. the parents file a wrongful death civil case against Paul so that he can be Smart. deposed. This smart, needs smart, to go smart, on the bingo smart, smart. cards. It happens now more than ever. So it's We have so had smart. like a few in a row. Yeah. It has been a few in a row. So yeah. it usually works and they get something out of it. So Ruben, the dad, is also being deposed. Now he's very strange also. He's looking up and to the right all the time, which is... Who's he looking at? A lawyer? Well, It's like he's looking to the ceiling. It's what people say means someone's lying if they look up to the right. I don't think that's Mm. been proven as scientific, Mm. but it is something that's like wildly, widely discussed as you're looking up to the right. It means you're telling a lie. If you look up to the left, it means you're trying to recollect something that happened. So he's looking up to the right the whole time. And he says, I never asked Paul. Did you ask Paul if he killed Kristen? No, I never did. Did you help him move Kristen's body? Because Paul didn't have a car on campus. And the only call he made after that party early the next morning was to his parents. So Ruben Mm. says, 
I didn't help as he looks up and to the right. He won't give away anything. Kristen's parents put the lawsuit on hold. They're not really getting anywhere. And it's expensive. It's very expensive. Remember, they're hiring all of these attorneys. They decide to use their money for a game of mental chess, which is they put up a huge billboard a mile from the Flores' house asking for info on Kristen's disappearance. That's a baller move. Yeah, love it. Yeah, I know that billboard. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, Mank has an interesting conversation with the parents. He says, I've seen it this tear apart a lot of couples. If you lose a child, you tend to get divorced. Your family goes through all of this and this didn't tear you apart. And they said, well, we still had two children that we had to be there for. She remembered that advice of be present. And if I'm at my kid's soccer game, be present, you know, and so that really helped. She's like, I hated that advice at the time, but it really helped. And you get the feeling that she was like, and I went then I sat there at all their matches at all this stuff. And so it almost seems like I may not have felt like doing that. I faked just it the at action least. of yeah. doing it. Sometimes it is fake it till you make it you go through these actions of being totally. normal, and it n- can make you feel like everything's okay, even though 100%. it's not 100%. Yeah, that absolutely. So Margarita, that friend that did not go with her to the party, feels so much guilt until Kristen's mom very kindly lets her off the hook and says, if you had stayed with Kristen, it could have been two girls instead of one, which is very nice. I don't know if that's true, but it's I don't know, but it's still really nice. That's a kindness that Denise did her. And. Kristen's parents are getting very frustrated because they're not hearing anything from the sheriff's office. She's begging them, just call me. Tell me you're still working it. I just want communication. And they and use her name because apparently they're not even saying Kristen. I don't know. They're calling her the victim or the missing, whatever. They just call her by her name. Weird. You know, it's not just like what her are they saying? or the girl you're looking for. Like she's our daughter. And her name was Kristen, you know? So the sheriff says we were doing stuff. They just didn't know about it. We were doing surveillance on Paul. We were Mm. tapping the Flores' phone. And they we had undercover FBI agents befriending Paul, which that's a job no one wants because he is not likable. And he never said anything. They were very cautious, the family. No one ever said anything. Mank says to the sheriff... Do you think you did a good enough job keeping the smart family informed? Because they don't think so. <laughs> and the sheriff admits that maybe they could have done a better job, but he's still pretty defensive. Then enter Chris Lambert. He is a podcaster. He was another podcaster who is not us, but we're not mad at it because he absolutely really not. is a hero in this case and is he did just a, great a genuinely podcast. good human. And yeah. we need more good humans in Absolutely. this world. So he was eight years old when Kristen disappeared. He had always driven by those billboards asking for info. And then years later, when he was an adult, he said, how are these billboards still up? How has this girl not been found? And so he started looking into it. He had an idea to do the podcast. He had asked Kristen's parents, and the Kristen's parents had turned down book offers. They were mm-hmm. not... In any sort, they just didn't feel good about those people, but they got a really good vibe from Chris that he was genuine and he cared and they liked the idea of the podcast. So they said yes. So he starts the podcast and people start coming forward with info about Paul, people who had grown up with him, people who had called him Scary Paul, 
There's a story from when he was a kid and he held a girl that he was fighting with underwater until an adult had to pry him off of her. He's terrifying. No. He's a monster. No. So Paul by now has moved to L.A. He worked at a Coca-Cola plant. He drank a ton at the local bar and he had multiple DUIs. Great. Chris interviews one of his girlfriends because I guess he did have some girlfriends, some like actual girlfriends. And he said she said he was very weird. His family was very weird. It always felt like they were very secretive. There were things that there were just secrets, shady stuff. And he didn't have a lot of friends. So don't date this person. No, (laughs) I hope she quickly broke up with him. So the podcast, which is called Your Own Backyard. And I think most uh, there were some people on Twitter who hadn't been who hadn't heard it. But I think most of our listeners have probably listened to it, because if you're in like the true crime podcast community, you've listened to it. It's a great piece of investigative journalism podcasting that helped tremendously do something good. And a few of them have done that. But it's also Chris's that what's the opposite of a jerk? Right. Yeah. He's a mensch. When I Googled his name, because I just wanted to see what town he was from, because he says he's from, he used to drive by and see it, and he's from Mm -hmm. like some little town outside Santa Barbara. He was voted most bashful in high school, which I feel like tells me absolutely everything I need to know. Yeah. And if I was Denise Smart, he's the one I would choose to do it. I would not pick K-Raj. I would not pick him. (laughs) They're not on the list for this. I would not pick somebody whose initials are PL, who got a bad reputation for kind of being the opposite of bashful in the podcast community. I don't think Chris has it in him to get a big head about this. And I know that's true because there is no movie yet. And he would have already signed for the movie. Yeah. So he hasn't done it yet. And Mank really likes him. And that's all we need to know. So the podcast explodes and gets millions of listeners and the new sheriff starts listening he had ran on a campaign of solving cold cases and now there's all this public interest in this case the parents also really like this new sheriff and feels like he actually cares especially just because he's talking to them he's communicating with them he's telling them i'm looking into this and they're like that's all we ever wanted just talk to us he's getting movement He's getting traction. He's getting somewhere. He has an investigator that is Clint Cole, who's the detective investigator who is helping. And so they're like become a good team. And the podcast and the sheriff's office start kind of working together. The podcast sharing leads. You know, Chris is like, hey, I just heard from this girl. You might want to talk to her and passes it along. Giving witnesses. Investigators. Yeah. Genius. So the detective, Clint Cole, wiretaps the Floreses again. And we hear this conversation where Paul and his mom talk about cookies. And I think they're talking about Girl Scout cookies because he says, I heard you ordered some cookies. And she says, yes, but I got them delivered. Okay. So... Susan says, this conversation is way more important than the cookies. Susan says to Paul, I need you to start listening to the podcast. And I need you to listen so we can poke holes in it. If we can poke holes, maybe we can't. Only you can tell me. I feel like Susan, Paul's mom, is trying to get information out of him. Yeah. 
right? It seems like she doesn't fully 100% think he's innocent, which is not how she acts later. I think she's Meryl Streep. I have doubts. That's what I was waiting for. Thank you. <laughs> it's been a long time. I, we need it like at least once every three months. It feels good to have it back. So I think she definitely thinks her husband and Paul are, they know something. Wants, but she also doesn't like this public pressure that's coming from the podcast. And I think she cares how the family looks. So if there's stuff that can be poked holes in, she wants to. Now, of course, Paul says nothing. He doesn't say, I didn't do it. I can poke holes in everything. There's no fact in it because I didn't do it. He doesn't say any of that. Okay. Yeah. It's, a, it's not like a full-on tell, a confession or anything, but it's very suspicious. So oh, yeah. the family starts using encrypted messaging apps, like Snapchat or something. Why? Why for? Why? Well, yes. Why for our Like, death? why do they think they're being bugged and so they're all of a sudden using encrypted messaging? That's what I want to know. So I feel like because they've been off. bugged before. Maybe they found out the police had bugged them before. And so they just randomly think 20 years later that they're being bugged again? They must have figured it out when the cookies conversation happened. I don't know. With the heat from the podcast, I think everyone's paranoid. Mm. You think something's ha the podcast is going on. They're probably looking into this again. So smart. Yep. What can we exactly do? It. So the detective gets a search warrant on Paul's house in L.A. He calls it a total hoarder house. Mark it off your bingo cards. He says there's Dr. black Zazio. mold. We need Dorothy. <laughs> there's black mold. Disgusting. And also, I did pause. I tried to look. It's very jumbled. You can't really see what you're looking at even. It's just like piles of things. I did see a red Solo cup by the bed with unwashed sheets. I saw the red Solo cup sort of perched on top of a pile of laundry. Maybe. Mark? It's a gross home. It's gross. Paul is gross. It wasn't quite a hoarder. It just was messy. It's not as Hoarders, bad. I did not see newspapers. I didn't see animals. I didn't, I didn't see, see rats, what I skeletons. See in hoarders. Yeah. Right. Um, I didn't see like three fridges that none of what you can open. I didn't see right. that, but I didn't see the whole house. I would like some pictures yeah. of that. I want to know what filth he was living in because he is filth. I want to see the garbage, black mold. So I want to show see us the garbage. black mold. This house really could have benefited from some upscale cat furniture, although I do not no. want Paul near any animals. So I'm conflicted. Maybe just get some condone, for himself. I do not condone the most beautiful cat furniture ever seen. I know. For Paul, this for is his home. not a, a Mao house and should never be a Mao house. No, thank you. But for our listeners, if you're looking they for deserve. some fancy upscale furniture, let's talk about Meow. Attention yeah. cat lovers. If you're a cat lover like me, then pause up everyone. This sponsorship is brought to you by a brand I truly love, a brand that's marvelous, and a brand that is completely changing the game when it comes to stylish cat furniture for your home. That's right. I am talking about Mao. That's M-A-U. If you are a cat owner, you know how unsightly and sometimes downright ugly a cat tree can be. And our cats are beautiful. I know, to me, mine are perfect in every way, even though Danny keeps forgetting to put his tongue all the way back in his mouth, which is giving him kind of a derpy look at any given time. He is still the most handsome gentleman. So I wanted some equally handsome cat furniture for him to luxuriate on, and not just him. 
There is space on my Sento cat tree from Mao for all of them to hang out. Mao uses extremely high quality materials. I mean, these are the cat baskets that you dream about with removable washable cushions. They're so well made and attractive, not to mention handcrafted natural wooden branches. I mean, Mao trees are truly a perfect addition to any room in your house. And their products are backed by a 45-day risk-free trial and a one-year warranty. Another reason I appreciate Mao is their size inclusivity. Their products are extremely sturdy. My Sento tree is capable of handling cats up to 23 pounds. So Bruce feels seen, and I feel like he's safe. You can filter their products by your cat's weight by using the filter on their collection pages. So if you have a Bruce in your life... I think that Mao is going to be a fit for you. And you know we love a company with a clause. I mean a cause. Mao uses sustainably sourced wood from pear trees that no longer bear fruit. 5% of proceeds are donated to animal welfare and environmental conservation, and one tree is planted for every product purchased. So if you want the most beautiful addition to your home and really treat your feline friend or friends, then head over to maupets.com slash dateline. That's maupets.com slash dateline for 5% off your purchase. That's maupets.com slash dateline. Thank you so much, Mao. You are positively marvelous. Thank you, Mao. So police seize Paul's phone and hard drives, and what is on them is horrifying, which means I'm going to let Katie tell you about it. Great. It's time for the hard drive. So would you guess that we would have some pornography? I would guess pornography. Yeah. So would you say that you would not be surprised if the pornography included unconscious, drunk, college-age women where consent was not involved? It's really disturbing what they find. And even worse, there is a file called Practice. And there is actually a video of him, of Paul, doing just that. So he is having sex with women who are clearly, clearly out of it, intoxicated, possibly drugged, and he is sexually assaulting them in these videos on his hard drive. Disgusting. It's really, it's the worst of the worst. And the worst is that he filmed himself, did this to these women, and without their knowledge, they're on his hard drive. It's really gives me the creeps. And we meet a woman that comes forward to sort of talk about what he would do. And she's kept anonymous. So she's all in black. And her name is Sam. We don't get to see her. But her story is really compelling. And they don't disguise her voice, which is also kind of good, I think, in this case. So Sam is outside of a bar waiting for a ride. And Paul comes up. He approaches her. She describes him as being not aggressive, but kind of meek and just awkward. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't, I don't think she finds him threatening, just awkward, which is sort of how I think Paul is getting to do this plan to meet women. Because I don't think you would go with him if he was aggressive at all. I would think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he seems kind of harmless because he's just sort of awkward. Mm -hmm. So they decide to go to a restaurant and get something to eat. She gets in his car. They go to a restaurant. They eat. They have a nice time. And she agrees to go back to his place. 
she does describe it as completely hoarded out, which now we have. I feel like it's even more important that we get Sam's confirmation that the place is hoarded because I trust. Right, him. because the photos didn't do it. So you kind of think right. the detective is like exaggerating. But I also think know. that would be terrifying. You sort of just met this guy outside of a bar. You've gone and had like kind of a nice meal. And then you go back to their house, which, by the way, owning your own house in L.A. is not a small feat, especially no. in this area where he is. Which Is, is he owning or renting? Beach. No, he owns it. Man. How? Well, he did go back to community college and graduate, but I'm not sure if it was in food science or not. Maybe food scientists. Maybe, I think they may have already had this house. I'm going to do a hot take and I'm going to say that if you go back to a guy's house and it's hoarder status, that is less creepy than being perfect Patrick Bateman American psycho status. Perfection. Girl with the dragon out of place. Scandinavian design. More if there's scary. too much, if it looks like an Ikea showroom, you got to get out of there. Yeah. Anyways, regardless. Sam is at his house and she's uh, she's worried because she's like, oh my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? But he gives her a glass of water and she's just hanging out. And this must be a really big regret for her because they wind up in the bedroom and she pu she puts this actually really, really politely. She says they have relations. Yeah. And I, you can tell like she's trying to make it less, but I feel for her because she doesn't even want to admit that she slept with him, which yeah. I get it. But during the act, she's not participating. Yeah. She's just, she's an, she's not an unwilling participant because she's not saying no, but I feel like that's saying no. If you're just oh, 100%. lying there. Now we know more about consent. She we is do. not enthusiastically giving her consent. Mm-hmm. And then that is saying no. That is If someone not isn't kissing concerned. you back, that's yeah. no. Yeah. They're not into you. Yeah. And then after they're done, she just passes out. And then she wakes up a few hours later and like stumbles out of the hoarder house and is really groggy, which she says is super odd because she hadn't drunk – like she had drunk hours before she'd had water. She'd had a meal. You know, mm -hmm. that stuff sobers you up. Mm -hmm. So, and she'd slept for a little bit. So, it's very odd and she felt really, really weird about it. There is something very, very fishy going on. Well, it definitely appears that he's drugging women. And yeah. this is confirmed by Detective Cole telling us that Flexoril and Tramadol are found in this hoarded house. And those combined with alcohol, according to a medical professional, has this sedative attribute to let's it. not so tell it the rapists would. what they need to do dateline he could have oh, just yeah. said these two substances he doesn't have to say what they are i mean they could just google it i'm sure but why make it easier on them but those are also prescription medications which i i might also question is did he have, have a prescription right. for those or was he getting them illegally not that it matters with all the myriad of things yeah. but and as it turns out sam years later hears in your own backyard contacts Chris Lambert at the podcast to tell her story and also is able to put two and two together about the water. And I'm hoping that provided her a little bit of clarity on what happened there. But mm -hmm. then when you're sort of understanding that, yeah, I more than likely was yeah. drugged when I was here. I think And that just to be clear, we're not saying no. she should feel bad either way. Like even if she wasn't drugged and she was pressured into this, she still shouldn't feel badly about it. She's a survivor. Yeah. Yeah. But I think she was clearly drugged. All of the symptoms make 
perfect. Well, and she tells Mank she had not only the glass of water at the house that he gave her, which was an opportunity for him to do that, but she got up at the restaurant twice. She was drinking water at the restaurant. Twice she got up to go to the bathroom. So he could have slipped something in her drink either of those times. So there's plenty of opportunity for that. And so it's basically all the pieces fall together. And Mm -hmm. speaking of pieces falling together, now a detail comes to light about Kristen's case in relation to all of these women coming forward about their experiences. And her friends that night, way back when, 20 years ago, say they hadn't really seen her drink all that much. Mm-hmm. She wasn't really drinking that mm-hmm. night. and But Trevor says for sure that she was under the influence of something. But you mm-hmm. couldn't say – it's like overdrunk. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? There's something happening. And that tells us a lot. And so at this point, Clint Cole and his team try to find some of these women that have come forward – to get their stories and build up some kind of a sexual assault case against Paul Flores, basically just to get him off the streets so he doesn't keep doing this diabolical plan that he keeps acting out, picking up women at bars, to getting them back to the ha- mm-hmm. doing this thing. And they involve the LAPD, they involve the LA District Attorney's Office, but it never really gets off the ground. They really just need a break. They need some yeah. new info at this point. He should have been arrested long ago, But in order to get him now, they need something big. And Josh says the perfect line, which is, what they really needed was to dig up some new evidence. And in 2021, they literally did. Mm -hmm. So there you go. In 2021, a tip comes in from a guy who had once rented a room on Ruben Flores' Paul's dad's property. He tells investigators that Ruben's rule, his only rule, is that under no circumstances was anyone allowed underneath the deck of the house. It's the first thing I would do. The minute that the family left, I'd be under the house. I know you would because your cat curiosity kills the cat. It is the perfect definition of the Barbara Streisand effect. You don't want anyone to draw. You don't want to draw attention to anything. But by making such a big deal out of it, you just draw more attention to it. So much so that the guy who rented the house is like, that was so weird. How big of a deal he made out of it. I have to tell the police. Yep. So if they he had just said like, nothing, well, the guy wouldn't have gone under the porch. You know, like why would not. he? He would have had no need to go under the porch. Well, and they ask, they ask him, what was the reason? What was his reason for not yeah. wanting? What did he say was like the reason you couldn't go under there? There was a rabid dog. What was the problem? You were going to get, get scorpions, man. Yeah. No, I don't know. <laughs> So, and he's like, you know, to me, it just looked like there were a lot of lawn tools, just probably house garbage, old paint, whatever, tires, Mm -hmm. who knows what's under that stuff, junk stored under houses. And this renter lives there for 10 years and never goes under the house. I can't stand it. He's me. Would you tell me about this? But would you tell me about the rule? Yeah. And then you would probably come over and go under the porch. I would probably yank you out of that. So scared. I'd be like, we're going to get in trouble. And you'd be like, there has been a murder. Something is that there's, we have to find out. I wouldn't, I don't think I'd let you stay. I think I'd yank you out of there. I think I'd be like, we're getting a new apartment. It's new apartment time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would leave. Yeah. I wouldn't stay there for sure. Yeah. But I wouldn't go under the porch. So in March of 2021, they serve a search warrant on Ruben Flores' home based on this renter's information. They come with archaeologists. They come with cadaver dogs. They come with ground-penetrating radar. Oh, There's it's the whole thing. An- anthropologists. Yeah. 
I know. That's, and then I think they have to because it's 20 years. So mm-hmm. they need someone that has the delicacy to be mm-hmm. able to, because they think they might be uncovering a body. Basically. And an archaeologist could be like, this dirt is from this year, but this dirt is from the Paleolithic era. Here's the issue, too, is there's some stuff carried out right now that I feel like is covered much more in your own backyard because I think that somehow the Flores is new and I don't remember why. But listen to that podcast to find out. But there's something how they knew this search was happening. Oh. Do you remember that? Do you remember what I'm talking about? Okay. No. Anyways, but this is when it gets really good when the paleontologist comes. And the astronomer. So yeah. <laughs> the search lasts for two days and they find this super suspicious hole that is six foot wide. It's four feet deep. It's underneath the deck. Go figure. And it looks like it's been recently disturbed. There are literally shovel marks in the dirt in this yeah. area, which is why I think that I think I remember that they were tipped off. I could be wrong. They must have been. at some, Or when the podcast started, whenever there was heat on them, they moved the body. I think so, too. Yeah. And so you could see that as they're digging the hole, they're come to a point where there's this really suspicious looking staining. And the archaeologist that's on site says that this could be something to do with human decomposition fluid. Oh. And Clint yeah. Cole at this point is just sitting on top of the hole being like, we're going to find her. We're about to find the body. We're about to find her. They dig a little further. We're going to find her. But they don't find her. So what they found was that maybe she was there at one point. So they take samples of all of this strange staining and they run off to test it. But at this point, Paul Flores' mom, Susan, gets in on the action. And she never gives interviews or talks to press. And she talks to an NBC News affiliate that's at the house. And she seems like this totally normal mom, right? Yeah. Where she's in a little floral face mask. Yeah. Just a mom. And so she's talking to this NBC reporter and she's saying, you know, they keep trying to find answers, but the answers aren't there. The answers aren't with us. And she goes, this is ridiculous. What's happened here today? They took away his life too, you know. Wow. Oh, I roll. Incredibly poor taste. She's trying to get people on her team, but I don't think she realizes how bad that sounds. It's, it's horrible. It, your son, who's been alive this whole time, he's and walking not around in jail, and he's walking and sexually around assaulting, assaulting women. women. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm not doing this. She calls the police harassing maniacs because they keep coming after them, and she's like, "Well, they've been trying this for decades." I feel like you needed to talk to your son a little more, and I think she tries in those tapes, but I don't know. Maybe she's scared of him. That's possible. I mean, I want to. My gut is just like she's complicit, and I think it's horrible but maybe there are dynamics in that family that we don't know about maybe she's scared of the dad maybe you know correct it's also denial is really strong so powerful and they just can't get there i think your brain stops you i think your brain does protect you by coding on denial it makes you forget things it that are suspicious it totally is a protective mechanism a hundred percent and it's why people don't want to believe a lot of things when the facts are presented right to them they say the facts are lies over and over again yeah and so make puts it really great right now and he says to the smarts you know essentially your family has done everything to find answers and this family 
has done everything they can. And then Denise Smart, Smart finishes the sentence and she says, to make sure we don't find answers. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of a little bit of an us versus them because they are rallying their teams, right? Mm-hmm. Which is what you'd expect. But the results come back from the lab from that suspicious staining really, really quickly. And they get their big break in this case finally, despite what Paul's mom is muttering around the garden. It's fine. The material comes back and it tests positive for human blood, but it's way too degraded to get DNA. So that's a bummer. But it does test positive for human blood. And I know that this is a huge part of your own backyard, by the way. This specific test that was done to test for the blood in the soil is a big deal. And I'm pretty sure that Chris Lambert goes way into it because I remember that. And I remember it being problematic. And we're going to find out why because we're about to get to trial. So Detective Cole makes a really good point. And he says, you know, this material found four feet down, dug up under your deck. So if you didn't have Kristen Smart down there, who else do you have buried in your backyard? Wink. He shouted out the podcast. He shouted out the podcast. He can shout it out to his buddy because they are buddies. You know they go have beers together. Yeah, totally. Or Cokes, whatever. So this evidence that's found in the hole is the thing that gets them the arrest warrant for Paul Flores. And finally, in April of 2021, Paul is picked up at the hoarded house and friends, families, podcasters are like, are just so happy that he finally has the cuffs on him because it's literally almost 25 years mm-hmm. after Kristen Smart went missing. Mm-hmm. The family would not, I'm sure you would not believe it was real. Paul's mugshot is fairly normal, surprisingly. Yeah, I will say 45 looks different on different people. People age very differently. That's all I'm going to well, say. Well, yeah, of course. Her yeah. friends look great. I would never think they're in their 40s. Well, Paul's been at the bars drugging and aring women for yeah. a long time. It ages you. His eyes are a little dead, yeah. for sure, in the yeah. mugshot. He tried to kill a child in a pool. Yeah. I think he's Voldemort. He's, but he also really, if just first glance, if you just glance at the picture, you'd be like, average white dude from Central California. Totally. That's literally what he looks like. So totally. it's kind of creepy, too, because I don't know if you'd suspect. There's not like he's got a... He doesn't have a teardrop tattoo. I don't know if I would look at him and be like, incel, sexual assaulter. I don't know if I would get that vibe in person. Right. Although Kendra did. And so Kendra got those vibes right away. But he also tried to force But he was trying her. to kiss her. Right. So maybe so. if he hadn't, I don't know if she would have. Yeah. So he's arrested on charges of murder during the commission or attempted commission of rape. And he's not the only arrest made that day because dad Ruben is also arrested for accessory after the fact for possibly or probably helping Paul cover up this crime. So we have to wait a little while. The trial doesn't happen until July of 2022, but the criminal trial starts for Paul and Ruben Flores together. They are Mm -hmm. together in the courtroom. But this was odd to me with separate attorneys and separate juries. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that on Dateline before. Why? Anytime we've seen co-defendants, it was they have the same same jury. Yeah. It's very Why are we seeing I don't know. It seems like how could you possibly not be tainted by the prosecution's case for one? I would be staring at the other jury the whole time. I'd be like doing signs like we're baseball players and I'm a catcher and they're a pitcher. Well, how would you know what parts to listen to? Because I feel like you're gonna hear a lot more about Paul than about Ruben. I don't Yeah, it is maybe they bring in the jury and bring out the jury during the parts that aren't relevant to them. Well, and how How does this benefit the prosecution? Right. How does, well, they get to do two for one, 
which saves them money. But but I don't think it's smart. For Ruben's case, I would think it would be bad because if the jury is hearing stuff that his son did, it's going to make what him I look mean. super guilty too. Yeah, it's fair. I'm sure some lawyers will come and help us and help us out if they've participated in a trial that was like that. Yeah, maybe. Law, can you call in? Thank you. The prosecution, whose name I will not pronounce, he seems very nice, but he knows that there is an uphill battle because this case is completely circumstantial and they have no body. So we know, historically, these are very difficult to prosecute. And he says also that this is his first nobody case that he's ever tried. So everyone's sweating. I'm Mm -hmm. sweating. We're all sweating. Mm -hmm. And you have to build really, really strong evidence when you don't have the main thing that you need. So in trial, a lot of her friends from Cal Poly back in the day come and testify on Kristen's behalf for the prosecution. They give evidence. They also show that one video where he's lying to the cop about his black eye, which I feel like is super effective when he's rubbing his arms or Mm -hmm. picking his spots or doing Mm -hmm. whatever he's doing. And then the prosecution says, but the really the backbone of this case is going to be the forensics, which would mean the cadaver dog alerting on the scent of decomposition in his dorm room, and then what's found in the weird pit below the deck at Ruben Flores' house. And at Mm -hmm. this point, the prosecutor compliments Dateline, and I couldn't love it more, because Josh asks him, were you worried that the jury was not going to understand the kind of testing that was done, this complicated test about the blood in the soil? And the prosecutor says, actually, juries these days are pretty savvy thanks to shows like yours. I thought that was very good, and it didn't seem like he was kissing up. It just seemed like the truth. Yeah. And Usually they say it as a negative way. Like, juries always think because of your show and because of CSI that there needs to be DNA, but sometimes there isn't. They normally say CSI. Yeah, they, they blame CSI for fake. a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, CSI is getting a bad rap. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's always Grissom. this show. So the cross prosecution lays out what they think happened to Kristen, which was he sexually assaulted her before he killed her. And this would prove to be a pattern through his life. And they're able to prove this by bringing in some of these allegations against him that were brought to light by the podcast. Why is it sometimes okay and sometimes not okay to bring in this previous charges? It drives me crazy. No, I think they were allowed to bring what I'm about to say in because there was video evidence. Okay, They had two of the women that were in the actual videos Found in the file marked private, not private. Practice. Panic. Practice. Pervert. The file marked practice. I think that's how they were able to get these women in. I could be wrong, but if I had to guess that, that would... It seems like it's sometimes just the judge gets to decide. Possibly it's a little bit of that, but I think it's based on precedent. I think there's a lot of stuff that goes in. Again, law, give us a call. But I'm glad that these women were able to come in. And of course, their testimony is super damning and incredibly emotional. it shows his pattern. Of doing this. Yeah. It's so important. And so by somebody who lived it and didn't know they were being taped. We're not yeah. aware. So, yeah. but the prosecution does not have them come last. He saves this one witness for the very final day. And her name is Jennifer Hudson. And I am telling you, <laughs> she's, she's not, not going. going anywhere. He's the worst man she's ever known. There's no way the jury's going to let him go. Mm-mm. Jennifer Hudson met Paul in 1996, about two weeks after Kristen Smart had, quote, gone missing. Jennifer was hanging out with some friends, and Paul was there at this skateboard ramp. Yeah. Paul happened to be there. They're all listening to the radio, 
And I had a little bit of issue with this B-roll because they show some sort of boombox from like 1982. <laughs> this is the late 90s. No one was listening to the old black and silver boomboxes. Everyone had discmans. Discman. Yeah, but not to play out loud. What did you play as a with the speaker? I, I think don't it was a tape deck of some sort. There was like Be a boombox. Be quiet, Kim. Because so, there were no like Bluetooth speakers or anything. Let me have okay. my indignance. I'm grumpy. So I know. She says after a few songs had played or whatever on this boombox that this public outreach message comes on about Kristen Smart, that she's a missing girl if you have any information, blah, blah, blah. And Paul way overreacts to this radio announcement. He says, quote, that Kristen was a bisque and was a, a rooster tease, and he's sick of dealing with her shurs. Hopefully everyone can understand what I mean. So yeah. basically he's an incel. And she she had the audacity to turn him down. So he says he put her under a ramp under his place in Wernos, which I don't know Wernos, but he does mean a skateboard ramp is where he put her, which I don't really get either. How did you get under the skateboard ramp? They're like huge pieces of concrete. How'd you get under it? Not if it's one that's like homemade, like with wood. That you have in your still backyard. still seems like a horrible hiding place. It just seems weird when he doesn't live there. And so Mank asks Jennifer Hudson, he's, she, he says, and you believed him? And she goes, oh, a thousand percent. You know when somebody doesn't have a soul. He was that guy. So she says, years later, she sees a picture of Paul in relationship to this Kristen Smart story. And she doesn't feel like she can go to the police with what he had admitted to her because, and it might not have been years, it might have been shortly after that she saw the picture of Kristen. I don't remember if we're given a time. But she didn't want to go to the police with the information that she had because she felt like all this was going to do is put her in danger. It was not going to be, her story is not enough to arrest him. It's just hearsay. So all it's going to do is make him mad and maybe come after her. Thoughts, please. I don't want to be mad at EGOT winner Jennifer Hudson, but I would, yeah, I would go to the police. He wouldn't know it was you. You go anonymously. He doesn't know where to find you. You're not friends. You just met him at a skateboard park. People think it's not evidence, but the thing is, the police were already looking at him. So this adds another pencil to that circumstantial case that is an important part. Plus, they could and have gone looking admission. for her. It is an omission, right. and they could have gone looking for her in that area. So, yeah, I think she should have gone forward, but I think she was young and dumb and scared of the police. And, yeah, I think maybe if the oh, podcast I, I had been around. I think there were some very real reasons she wasn't going to go to the Gum. And gum. it's gum. But I think if the podcast had been around, maybe she would have submitted, like, an anonymous tip or something because everyone said Chris was a lot more approachable than the police. And right. people felt safe confiding in him. Yeah, it's a shame. The I don't police know need if to it... take note of that, by the way. Absolutely. Having a third party that's corresponding with the police. But he mm -hmm. wasn't admitting in the podcast, I don't think, that he was actually giving them evidence until much, much later. I'm pretty sure that they just thought they were interviewing for this, and then he probably asked, hey, do you mind? You could right. really help the prosecution here. Right. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's how it worked or not. It's, yeah, it's a shame. I don't know if it would have changed anything, but. I don't either. I think it depended on who was handling the case. At it the could moment, have. How cold it was, where it was in this process. 
And if enough, if it's like voting, you think your one vote doesn't matter. But if everyone felt like that, then it would matter, you know, and if there were more people out there who knew things about Paul and didn't come forward, collectively, they would matter. Agreed. So everyone can't think I it what it won't matter what I say. They won't believe me. Yes, it will, especially if they're already hearing from other people the exact same thing. Agreed. Yeah. So thank God Jennifer does tell one person in 2002. She tells a roommate of hers who later goes and leaves a tip on a website anonymously about what he had heard from his previous roommate. And Chris Lambert actually tracks him down through this this tip left on a website. Chris was really doing some heavy research on this. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. And then this subsequently leads Chris to Jennifer Hudson, and he gives her name to the detectives. This is an Mm -hmm. unbelievable chain. It's great. He's really invaluable. So now we get to hear from Paul Flores' defense attorney who has some stuff to say. Do we want to hear it? No, we don't. But here's what he says. He says, it's hocus pocus. Don't disparage that film with my old boss who is in it and Bette Midler and Kathy Najimy and Sarah Jessica Parker. Never saw it. It's a classic, Katie. You're shocking a lot of people right now. I know. Don't be mad at me. No, but I was really into witches with Angelica Houston. Is it like that? The witches? No, it's, I don't know. It's very much for kids. It's like Disney movie. But is it creepy Disney? Or because No. The witches. No, was it's creepy. like comedy Disney. Okay, so the defense attorney is on the defense. Here we go. This is Ruben's attorney, not Paul's attorney. We only hear from Ruben's attorney because remember they have separate attorneys. So mm-hmm. he said his focus for the defense was just to attack the lack of evidence. He said the prosecution does a great job. They spin a really big story from this little tiny bit of evidence, but he's going to take that evidence and run it into the ground. So Mank is really funny with him. He does this skeptical face the entire time. That eyebrow never goes down. No. It's up, <laughs> it's up the whole time. Uh, and he says, well, so what was buried under there if it wasn't Kristen Smart? And the attorney goes, nothing. It was just disturbed soil from pulling up a tree. What's your problem? A six foot by four foot tree? The root was six feet? Yes, Kimberly. Okay. That's what he said. And he's yelling, so we believe him. (laughs) He also really hammers home this about this misused blood test of the soil. Right. That the test they use is never supposed to be used with soil. This thing that tested positive for blood. It's not approved for that. That's so frustrating because when they find the blood, you're like, finally, Susan is going to see the facts that she's been in denial this whole time. But then there's this out. Well, it's not meant to be used with the soil. So now I can look the other way again and say that it's a witch hunt for no reason. And yeah. It's a the witch's hunt. (laughs) The hocus pocus hunt. Like if you can't convince people of science, then science doesn't matter anymore. Then there's no real facts. Everything is up for debate. It's so frustrating. And also, this defense attorney does not find Jennifer Hudson credible in the slightest. I wish you? he had said, I know she's an EGOT winner, but I don't find it. Like, I, th- I wish he had gotten confused and actually thought it was Jennifer Hudson, the one who was in Dreamgirls. That would be hilarious. Jennifer Hudson is a national treasure. He needs to sit down. She has her own talk show. 
I didn't know that. Because she's delightful. I want her to be my best friend. I get upset. She's great. I'm not. She's not going to. It's too late. She's got too many other friends. She doesn't have room for me. And she I don't call people back. She probably is friends with Beyonce. Yeah. And I, I would really want her to sing for me all the time, which might get annoying. No, that she does so, not want to be your friend now. K-Rodge, she would be friends with K-Rodge. Because K-Rodge wouldn't care if she sang or not. K-Rodge right, probably exactly. has a really good voice too. Yeah, K-Rodge can sing like Sia. Yeah. Yep. Great. Excellent. We're done. So this defense attorney, she's not credible. He thinks that she was brought in by the fame of the podcast and also this $75,000 reward. So he's definitely throwing some shade. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if I was a jury member. And now Jennifer Hudson does not- She didn't come n- forward though. Chris found the roommate through a thread on Reddit or Citizens Detectives, whatever. Yeah. She wasn't looking for fame. Basically, the defense attorney, besides not believing Jennifer Hudson at all and trying to state that she's unreliable, he says that the whole Flores family, Ruben, Paul, Mama, grandmothers, grandfathers, uncles, aunts, have been unnecessarily attacked and demonized as some big crime family. It's Mm -hmm. not that dramatic, sir. No Mm -hmm. one's thinking that it's Tony Soprano up in here. No one thinks Ruben Flores is like just... (laughs) I loved when you he know, said crime family. He sleeps with the fishes. Crime family, it's, no. It's a lot. And it's also meant to like, it, I don't like that because I feel like it's a little gaslighty. It's meant to unstabilize you. To like mm-hmm. compare it to this big thing and you're like, oh, you're right. It's not that bad because it's not that. It's mm-hmm. something else. It's still really bad. You mm-hmm. still, it's equal. You can't mm-hmm. cover up murder, folks. Yeah. He's trying to gaslight Mank and Mank is not having it. And so his big theory, of course, is that pretty much what this, campus cops thought maybe she's just gone maybe she just ran away she's just gone and we don't know that she's dead because we don't have a body and this is josh's finest hour looks at him with the full incredulousness of a mankowitz and says you're a smart guy i don't even think that you believe that Kristen smart is alive somewhere and the defense attorney says i do believe with all my heart that she may be alive <laughs> And everyone's head explode. Every single viewer just went, because what is that answer? Anybody could maybe alive. There might be like a half of a half of a half of a percentage point that she's alive. But and you have it in your heart because you're such a good guy that you want her to be alive so badly. It's not because you want to win your case, but you believe that she may be alive. I believe that my cholesterol may be high. Like, <laughs> what if I just make everything into sort of a vague generality? It may Again, be. there are no facts anymore. That test could have been rigged against me so that I can't have cookies. And so he said, he continues, says, it may be a slim chance, but there's a chance. And that's why we need a body. Okay, sir. So you're saying every no body, no crime case should be instantly reversed, all those decisions. I think he's trying to not say that, but I think he has to say that because what else is he going to say? And so then he yeah. looks at Mank and he says, let me ask you a question. Why do you believe <laughs> she's dead? And here we go, Josh. And he says, he basically ticks off on his fingers. She yeah. didn't contact her family. She didn't contact any of her friends. She's not the sort of person to up and disappear. If she had disappeared, she would have taken all her stuff with her. And she's last seen in the company of a guy who previously had a history of weird 
sexual behavior towards women and later was accused of a number of rapes of drugging women and having sex with them. He was the last person she's seen with and the last person to see her. That's, That's why, why I, I think, think she's, she's not around. Yeah. And the camera goes tight on Mank when he's like, that's why I think she's not around. Boom, drop the yeah. mic. It's excellent. But this defense, and then Daylight doesn't show the reaction. They just no. say, but this defense team isn't going to concede to any of that. He probably peed his pants. Every hit everything home. And But you know what? May, maybe it matters that there's no body. Maybe it doesn't. But we have a verdict. In October of 2022, the jury comes back with verdicts. Paul Flores is found guilty of first-degree murder. Hip, hip, her freaking Ray. Mm -hmm. And Ruben's jury finds him not guilty. And Denise has a great line right now and says, we got the elephant. We didn't get the mouse. I wish they'd gotten both. Yeah. but I wish they'd gotten Susan, too. I don't think Susan knew. But I think Ruben did. I think maybe allegedly Ruben did. I don't. Don't yeah, come after he, me, defense attorney. I need you to st- just stay away from my backyard. I'm just yeah. let me be. <laughs> no, Josh I don't says. Mank took care of that defense attorney. I think he exploded into a bunch of tiny little pieces, and that's why we don't see him after. Do you think he? Do you think he did double guns and went and like blew on him? Do you think <laughs> he did that move? Yeah, and then holstered him, holstered yeah. the guns. One thousand yeah. percent. I, I, I hope, hope Mank did that. Yeah. Yeah. So, or maybe kept one out just in case. I don't know. Maybe. This is much more effective. You can actually see what I'm doing. It doesn't work that great in a podcast. <laughs> no, thank um, you. We got to stop videotaping these so you can see. Yeah. And it's a little awkward because my arms aren't shaped right. So Josh says, <laughs> can you, it feels awkward when I'm doing it because they're just a little too long. So I know it looks <laughs> weird to you. Josh says, can you live with that to Denise Smart? And her and Stan both kind of laugh. They just sort of throw their arms up and are like, do we have a choice? There's nothing we can do. The jury got it wrong. You know, it's yeah. that feeling. But they all get to give statements. The entire Smart family get to give statements at the sentencing hearing. It's very sad. Denise goes last and has is kinder than I thought she would be. Let me just put it that way. And at the sentencing, Paul is given 25 years to life. Which is the maximum, apparently, that he could get in this case, which was shocking. And at this point, I do need Law to call me. Because what's happening? Is this because there's no body? It is California. murders usually do get 25 to life. And, you know, weed used to get just as much, pretty much. It's not fair. And the other thing that's not fair is that L.A. County's DA's office, I got this through Dateline Twitter, confirmed that they aren't pursuing rape charges against Paul. So they're probably trying to save money and they think they got him, they put him away for a while. But if they got all those rape charges, which are on tape. You get more years. You could get more years. You could get him. He should be away for life. That's messed up. Okay. It's really messed up. That's for another time. Those women deserve justice as well. If he had gotten life with no parole, I understand them not wanting to do it, the new trial, even though it's not fair to those women. But it's 25 years to life. He could easily it's, get out and be not he that get old. out. And, and so, yeah, that's I mean, he'd be even if he gets off for early for good behavior. I don't know. Like he could get but what parole. if he gets off in 20 years? Yeah, exactly. He be in he's his 65. 60s. No, he can still okay. do a lot of damage, you know. And he's shown a pattern his whole life. Why would he change now? 
No. He's been locked up for a few years. Mm-hmm. Of course, Denise is really unhappy with this because everyone is. The sentence needs to be harsher. And so what she's trying to do is get do something really smart. She's trying to get an enhancement applied to the sentencing when the murderer is holding a body. So if they won't give it up, here's what needs to happen. And she thinks that there's an incentive that if you don't give up the location of a body, 10 years is added to your sentence, which I think is a great idea. You got to give them a reason. Yeah. What's the reason Usually, for him to give up the body? They offer a plea deal for the body. They say we'll give we'll take death off the table if you give us the body. We've seen that a lot of times. But they can't do that in a fully circumstantial case. Right. right? That shows oh, this stinks. Yeah. Anyways, I hope they get that done because I think that's a really smart move. Mm-hmm. And that's not the only thing she's even she's trying to accomplish something else too, which is also very smart. There is already the Kristen Smart act in california that requires campus police to coordinate with local law enforcement there Mm -hmm. we go and she's trying to get that to go nationwide so please do that let's go let's get this done Mm -hmm. let's get it passed this is very smart cal poly is contacted by daylight cal poly does not appear but they send some emails and (laughs) basically that this whole christian smart case this was all under a different leadership we're now under new management and yeah. things are running like clockwork. Yeah. So the administration calls her case an anomaly. Now, there's not a lot of crime in San Luis. It's considered a fairly safe place. And Cal Poly is considered a fairly safe college. But it doesn't matter because it's the one time. Yeah. You know? That doesn't matter to what the if parents. It's your kid? But it's only happened once. That exactly. Matter. Doesn't and matter. it's not an you anomaly should- state nationwide, like at college campuses. No, it's not. And also, I feel like calling it an anomaly is just really insensitive. Yeah. It leaves a bad taste in everyone's mouth. That was not well written. Dateline also asked questions about the initial campus police bringing up stuff like Kristen possibly being promiscuous, all of these personal details about her life, and that really gross stuff that they did at the beginning. Yeah. Cal Poly said that this situation should have been handled much differently. It's never appropriate to describe a victim as promiscuous, and it completely runs counter to our practices and procedures. Good. That was better. Okay. Yeah. So I'm hoping that's true. Chris Lambert is working on his final episode of the podcast and is very sweet and tells Dateline at the end that I have been devastated by the loss of Kristen myself so I can't imagine what her actual family has gone through and I think like Chris might be a little bit of a surrogate son to the smarts they yeah there's quite a lot of b-roll of them together yeah and I I think that he's sort of a little de facto member of the family oh for sure I hope brings them a little friendship that's good and Josh and the smarts end the episode beautifully by saying long ago they learned how to navigate this loss and to take the advice that Denise got so long ago that she didn't like, which was to just be present for one another. And I'm really glad she listened to that. And Mank says really poignantly again at the end, he talks a little bit about closure. He sort of bookends this episode with that closure discussion that he really likes to have with people. He loves talking about closure doesn't exist. I think it's good because I think that a lot of people beat themselves up when you feel like you need to be over something. And I don't think that's true. Yeah. I don't think that you're over it. I think you just change. Yeah. And that's it. You learn to live with that part of it. Yeah. And so they 
the, he talks about it in this specific case about how people think because this sort of came to an end, right? He got put in prison. The podcast is ending. This sort of swell happened. And then this is like the denouement. It's done. And then there, everyone's supposed to move on. But that's not the way that it works for the smarts. It's not the right. way it works. So, and I hope that we are sensitive to that on this podcast. At no point do we think that this is like, great, it's a happy ending. This is the, the unhappy no. ending. You at least, but you did get justice. Right. And that's good. Not even the justice you want, but there is a slice of justice in here for you. Yeah. And so she says, you know, as her mother, I still have a piece of her within me and her death is a part of me and it'll never go away. It was a beautiful end. It's a hard case because things went wrong and things got messed up at the beginning that mm -hmm. then had devastating consequences for women later. Yes, Six. absolutely. Yeah. But Mank did a great job with this case. Fabulous. He's been covering it for a while, right? Yeah, this is the second episode he's done on it. At least the second, yeah. yeah. Advocate for women. Thank you, Mank. We love you, Manky. We do. All right, you got B-roll. Trevor, who was the guy at the party, he gets some B-roll leaning on a bench drinking coffee. Oh, no, not leaning. Luxuriating. <laughs> he gets a moment. Trevor gets a full moment. It's great. Yeah, he does. He's in a pose. He gets a classic Folgers moment. Mm -hmm. The new sheriff's nameplate on the door is wooden and has a rope decoratively tied around it, like super Old West style. Because I think yeah. that's kind of the vibe there. It's surfer meets Old West. Surfer meets cowboy. Why not? Yeah, I think that if you were into 4-H in high school, you might want to go to Cal Poly. Yeah. Much like but why? Davis. Yeah, but why? Because you were into 4-H. If you were into 4-H and gum, this would be the school for you. I will say this. If you have a chance to go to this town, San Luis Obispo, go. Oh, it's yeah. It's a really it's, cool town. It's one of my yeah. favorite places. We see this hot sheriff's guy cleaning out Paul's house. And we keep seeing, like, they're carrying out a lot of stuff. But then we see this other guy, and he's not wearing an official uniform, but he's wearing, like, a blue jacket. And he takes a red cooler, like a cooler that you would use for a barbecue, out to this old-fashioned white 50s, 1950s type car. And we see this shot at least two times, maybe three times, of this guy. What and I was that? like... What is in that cooler? I tweeted at Mank. I said, please don't let it be human organs. Why is there a white cooler unlabeled? Was there something in Paul's house? First of all, is that guy with the team? Is it something that they removed from the house? Why is it not in an evidence bag? So is the cooler part of the team and the stuff inside of it's the evidence? Was there something in his fridge that they thought was evidence that they wanted to test Maybe for drugs? And if so they put it in a cooler? Maybe if it's something they're really worried about it, they put it in like a Loctite, you know, something that's air won't get in. Mm -hmm. It might be something like that. I don't know if it's even about temperature. It might but be about why transporting. Is, why is it not going into the CSI trucks and instead going with this guy's 1950s collectible white car, Cadillac or whatever? So maybe he had just bought a bunch of... <laughs> crab legs and this guy's like you know what i'm taking these home tonight he's not gonna need them where he's going paul had bought the crab legs and he is yeah. stealing paul's food 
because he's not okay. And so he's not, and then he's off duty after that. So he goes home in his own car and not Crab with oil. the CSI truck. That's what I've come up with for this. Scenario. Okay. We're going to get an answer from Mank hopefully at some point. Oh, good. You're like, I can't wait. But why bother? It's crab legs. It's going to be something important. Lots of B-roll of the main sort of drag on in San Luis. And then we get this really interesting upshot of Kendra, the fr- one of the friends, with its blue sky up above her and like thistles in the mm. foreground. Did you see mm. it? It was a very artistic shot, but it was a I camera way down low sort of shooting up. Yeah, it was really pretty. A million just college students. Yeah, it brought me back. Halls, dorms. Lots of Bring stuff right like back. that. We also get an old-timey recording device. One of those little things that with the mini tapes that you sit on the thing. They always do that. They always have something very old-fashioned whenever they're playing the audio of a police recording or an interrogation or a wiretap. They just use a mysterious shot of an old-school tape recorder. This one I looked new that. to me. I don't remember seeing a silver one before. It was a boxy one. Yeah. I don't know. It like, was weird. And the smarts looking at albums them standing in a like a patio looking at the sky the smarts were very very cute and then really cute footage of chris with the smarts Mm, walking yes yes and then sitting at a little table you did say they were like he's a de facto son and he tweeted chris tweeted stan smart has a heart of gold and he taught me how to pan for it for real and he posts some pictures of stan teaching him to pan for gold Wearing like fisherman's oh, cap. They're in Stockton, so they went to Sutter's Mill. We've talked about Sutter's Mill Hill here before. We can't go down that rabbit hole. But yes, that's amazing. Yeah. I love that. Chris also leaning on the post. I don't know where that is. Did you see him? Like on a no, farm? No, but I love a post lean. Yeah, it's really good. Did you have other B-roll? No. Did you have any fashion? No. I had one, which is Chris has the best beard I've ever seen. Yeah, so he says, also on Twitter, he said, hang on, that was a lockdown beard. I grew it out throughout all of 2020. I'm sorry. It's great. <laughs> it looks really nice and I kept like up it. And, and like shiny. Very, yeah, I like I, it. Don't apologize for your beard. See, he's a nice guy. I have a brand that might be unhappy being on Dateline. Cal Poly Campus I'm going to be brave and controversial and say Cal CPCP. Poly. And that is because we have Scott Peterson, not great, Paul Flores, and Rex Krebs. And if you want to know who that is, you'll have to tune in to our special Patreon footage of myself and my sister talking about what it was like to be a student at Cal Poly. She was a freshman when Kristen was also there. And when Paul was a freshman, my sister was going to Cal Poly. And then had a run-in with a serial killer herself. So you can hear both stories in our extra on Patreon. Woo-hoo! Yay! So excited. Check it out. We'll Maybe see. Riley will tell an embarrassing story about you as well when you were a child. She might. I'm just hoping you're going to be able to tell our voices apart. And it doesn't sound like one weird blur. It might sound like a weird blur. And in that case, I apologize if you don't know who's speaking. I'll try to talk. Maybe I'll talk with an accent. Maybe it'll help. So did you have any titles? No, I really didn't. I did. Go ahead. I have one. Okay. That's really important. Yeah. It might be the most important title I've ever done because this title is called Justice for Kristen. And I said, 
vindication for Katie. It's justice for Kaylee, except it's justice for Kristen. <laughs> they took my title. They no. named this episode my title. No, no, no. Your episode was a chance for Kaylee. Oh, jeez. Your title was that a makes it chance even worse. for Kaylee. It I thought it was justice for justice Kaylee. Justice for Kaylee. Dang it. <laughs> See our merch. <laughs> Edward designed the most the cutest shirt with a teddy bear that says a chance for Kaylee on it. And I thought it was a ju- justice for Kaylee title. It's, still it's not. Good. Um, Twitter. Your own backyard. He Chris tweeted so many good things. Josh Mankiewicz, you dropped this with a microphone emoji for that. Oh, that moment. Dateline producer said before they left for the night, Kristen made a mixtape for Margarita of her favorite artists like Cindy Lauper. That's sweet. That's tears. That's yeah. really sweet. Justice Girl says Paul's mom has big throw mama off the train vibes. I don't know what that means because I haven't seen that movie. But is that mom Throw horrible? mama from the train? Yeah. It's Danny DeVito. That's all I know. And Billy Crystal? That's all I know is it's Danny DeVito. I think his mom is horrible. Not sure. I can picture the art. That's it. Like the yeah. movie poster. That's all I yeah. got. That's Life said, did a Twitter poll. Your child comes home with a dead body. What do you do? And the options are call the police, bake cookies, help hide the body. Call the police one by a landslide. Bake yeah. cookies was second place, actually. And then Red Tie said, this scumbag's lawyer just got manxed. Can we get a cape for oh. Josh Mankiewicz, please? Can we you make just, that a verb? That's You great. just got manxed. Ah. That's brilliant. And I love this that. is the best one. Dateline producer says, Harold Messick, who is... The lawyer Messick, in yeah. question says Messick. he became a lawyer later in life. He is proud to tell you he attended an unaccredited law school founded by a bounty hunter. <laughs> He's a real character. Yeah, we might need he a makes spin-off. Like, well, also, I think he was very surprised that he won, but kind of not yeah. surprised. I think he's yeah. like an outlawed, outlaw lawyer. Yeah. So outlawyer. Is yeah. that a thing? Outlawyer? TM if it's not. Sorry, TM. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Those are really good. Did people know about this case, though, pretty much for the most part, Kristen Smart? I would say it's about 70-30. There were uh, quite a few people who apparently don't listen to true crime podcasts, but only watch Dateline. So they had not heard of it, although there was another Kristen Smart episode. But it was a. I was just surprised when Dateline asked, have you listened to your own backyard? And there were lots of no's, but n- no, but now I'm going to. And I was like, where have you people been? It's really good. It's an excellent. And if you're doing a road trip, it's a great podcast to just you get really absorbed with the case. And again, he goes in fine detail. He's great. He's also an easy podcaster to listen to. I'm just touting mm-hmm. his podcast. Yeah. Also, check us out on social media. <laughs> yes, please. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Day Dateline. Kimberly's also an excellent podcaster. And so thank you. You can it's find Katie her is, and as well. Kim's, her postings there. She's yeah. And tell a friend, please tell a Dateline friend like Josh and I were having a conversation the other day through DM, like how not enough of the loyal Dateline fans know who about our show. And so he's like, I'm trying to retweet you all the time, but I don't feel like enough of them know that there's this podcast that you guys do. And so tell a friend if you're talking about Dateline or on Twitter, tell say check out date Dateline. Yes. Thank you. That's all. Please. And then leave us a five-star review. Thank you. And join us for our live streams on Sundays where we're talking about Yellow Jackets 
live after show discussions. Sunday nights at 7 o'clock PST and 10 o'clock EST. Come on yeah. down. Come on down. It'll be great. I was wrong again. It's good. It's good <laughs> stuff. No, you weren't wrong. I, there just might be more. You might be right that there is more than this thing that just happened. But you did justice. for a long time seem to say that this thing was not happening. Justice for K-Rod. <laughs> I can't believe how wrong I was on that. I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, there's an episode called Justice for Somebody. <laughs> and it's a K name. Like I was just like, this is it. This is my moment. Convinced you couldn't tell me that that was not the name of my title. <laughs> merch or no merch. Oh, I'm so, oh. All right, everyone. Be kind this week and remember the buddy system. Be your own buddy, but don't have somebody else that is your buddy. So don't yeah. be your own buddy. Don't be your own buddy. There you go. Bye, everybody. I've done I've even been the counter of the group. Like I know how many are in our group and I'm counting heads constantly. Mm-hmm. Like in Vegas. That's no, important. Yeah. Let's sound I off, guys. That. One, two <laughs> like the Duggars and I have eighteen children. We did teamwork in Vegas a couple times. Yeah. But I feel like a couple girls slipped out of our grasp a couple times too. One in particular I'll never forget. Yeah. Because a Santa was involved. And that's the story. Join our Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say Santa. Anyways. Also, if you go and it's like Gabe's house from the office, and it's filled with Japanese samurai swords and fish, tr- fish, f- weird fish thing. Fish. That's that you, the third um, ingest, creepiest, though. There Porter, is um, sterile. psychotropic fish things that you can ingest. What am I trying to say? It's like seahorses that make you high. Seahorses, the testosterone seahorses. If they're just a lot of swords hanging on the wall. I'm thinking it's fine if you're a couple and you're into cosplay and stuff, but a single guy with a weird house that's not, it's too clean and there's swords. I'm also, if he's a DJ, if there's DJ equipment, run. If there's decks, decks, aquariums that are just too big. Yeah. Why is that aquarium so big? Mm-hmm. If it, he has those like crazy squid that digest human body parts, has he been cutting up people and putting them in that aquarium? Or when you watch those deep sea shows and those things that live at the bottom of the ocean, you know what I'm talking about. When they yeah. find those fish that are like, yeah. there's something wrong with that. It's a yeah. demon. Yeah. yeah, demon. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I used but, to look, read that BuzzFeed article all the time, the scariest things at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, don't do that. I, know, I do it. So I creepy. still do it once in a while. But they're so creepy that I can't – it feels fake. Yeah. My brain can't process it. They're so creepy. <laughs> <laughs>